I, I, re- I remember the worst day of seventh grade. It was the day that we uh, had to run the 600-yard dash. For me, it was not a dash. I was, I was a slow, I was slow, and, and, and I was embarrassed and uh, exhausted at the end of it. And, and that day I knew, I knew I would never be a runner. That was, that was sort of set in stone. That's my life. Uh, however, uh, inspired by a friend, when I, when I was 41, I challenged myself to run a mile. And, and then when I did that, I thought, okay, if one mile, maybe two. And then, why not three? At age 47, the guy who knew he would never be a runner ran a half marathon. And it happened because I had, I had come to think differently about myself. And the same thing happens with faith. Some of you have pretty much maybe settled into this fact. You realize, okay, I'm just never going to be one of those people. You know, uh, like you know of other people who kind of really believe in Jesus and they're all in for him and they say they love him and follow him. And you, you've kind of said, you know, I, that's okay for other people if they want to be a freak, you know. <laughs> but it's not who you are. Maybe you say, you know, I'm, I'm really more of a thinker or I'm, I'm kind of more of a partier or a free spirit or I'm just, I'm just really busy. Family, career, lots of stuff going on. What I want you to know is that a lot of us here were right where you are. We were that kind of person, just like you would describe yourself. But then something happened. We, we faced a crisis, or maybe we were influenced by a friend, or maybe we're, we're still not sure how it all happened. As unlikely as it seemed to even us at the time, we now count ourselves as people who believe and belong to Jesus. So, anyway, here's, here's what the big thing I want to say to you this Easter morning. God is at work in your life. You may have trouble believing in Jesus, but He has no trouble believing in you. Even now, He's opening a door for you. Uh, just a little bit ago, Becky read uh, this passage in, in Luke's Gospel where the resurrected Jesus shows up to a bunch of His friends. That would mean the 11 disciples, plus the, earlier it says there's several other people, uh, and, and uh, no doubt some of his female followers as well. And, and how do they react when they see Jesus? Um, they could have just been impatient, like, Jesus, where have you been? What took you so long? Or they could have been nonchalant about it, you know, okay, now that everybody's here, let's start the meeting. But they didn't. Here, here's how they reacted. Here it says, they were, and I, hear, I want you to, to say, as we go through Scripture, say the words in yellow with me, will you? They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Look at them, I mean, they're, they're shaking, they can hardly get out a word, they can't breathe, their faces have gone pale. And so Jesus talks to him. He says, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Imagine yourself, you know, uh, two days after your best friend's funeral and they come walking in. <laughs> I mean, you'd freak out, right? 
Jesus' friends, they can't believe it either. It, it, it must be a dream. I'm having a hallucination. And then Jesus slides up his sleeves, maybe tugs up the, the hem of his robe, says, look at my hands and my feet. I mean, they, they see his wounds are, are still red where, where the, the nails pierced his flesh. And, he, and then it goes on to say, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. So I'm picturing them, you know, they're kind of nervously giggling, you know, what's going on, and glancing back and forth at each other, and, and then just sometimes bursting out with, with laughter and irrepressible joy. I mean, how could something this incredible be actually happening? They start to believe, but it's a process, and it's a process for all of us. Let me, let me tell you about uh, Stu. Now, Stu and I used to go out for coffee quite often. Uh, he was definitely not a believer, but we got to be friends, and a uh, very sharp guy, uh, and he had a lot of questions. A lot of questions about God and why God would allow suffering and kind of th that kind of thing and whether anything in the Bible could be trustworthy. Uh, and, and so in our conversations, um, it was one thing interesting is that we never argued with each other. Not, not even once. We just shared experiences. We exchanged perspectives. We asked each other some challenging questions. And, and, and we never pretended to have an answer that we didn't have. Well, a couple of years into it, uh, Stu uh, joined a Bible study group with me, even though he made it clear, you know, I'm not a Christian, you know. And then one day he said, he kind of surprised me. He said, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting close to believing. It's, he said, it's like I can see in my mind the, the, the door open. And then every time I get close to it, it slams shut in my face. And I said, Stu, I believe one day you're going to come up to that door and you're going to find that it stays open. And about a month later, he told me that's what happened. He walked through that door. And just like Stu, your, God is at work in your life. You, you may have trouble believing in Jesus, but he has no trouble believing in you. And even now, despite maybe you're feeling frightened or troubled or full of doubt, he's opening a door for you. Let me tell you about John. John, John Newton's mother died when he was seven. Um, and then at age 11, he started working for his father, who was a sea captain. Uh, as a teenager, he got fired from his first job for being rude and insubordinate. Just nobody could work with him. He, he was forced to join the Navy, but he hated it. Uh, he hated the discipline, and he eventually deserted. And then John got a job with a slave trader on, a, on board a ship, and, and the, the slave trader was mean to him, abused him, and soon he was penniless and hungry. Well, then aboard that slave ship one time, he started reading a Christian book. And during a storm at sea, he just... He cried out to God, and that was a big turning point in his life. Uh, and uh, at that point, he decided, well, he was going to be a more humane slave trader. 
And then finally he realized he, that was no good and he left the slave trade completely and gave his life to the Lord. Well, you may not know much about John Newton, but you may be familiar with a little song that he wrote. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And just like with John Newton, God is already at work in your life. You may have trouble believing in Jesus, but he has no trouble believing in you. Even now, he's opening a door for you. I'd like to bring up uh, Eliza and John, uh, J.R., excuse me, Eliza and J.R. Huff. Uh, some of you may have, have met them. Um, they, uh, began, they and their five kids started coming to our church about three years ago. And uh, so... Uh, Anyway, I, you know, a lot of us have stories about, you know, there was a time in our lives where we never thought this would happen to us. And, and I found out that, that J.R. and Eliza have stories kind of like that. And so I thought it would be good to hear them. And Eliza, let's, let's start with you. Uh, and uh, just tell us a little bit about what went on with you. Um, so I grew up in a house with an alcoholic father. Okay. Um, pretty unstable. So by the time I was 14, 15, I was drinking, smoking cigarettes, doing drugs. Um, and that's pretty much all my friends were doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then these acquaintances that kind of appeared in my life were these weirdo Christians that were going to church and youth group and it was supposedly fun and their music was better than mine. Um, and they kind of befriended you? Yeah. Okay. Um, and eventually, I decided, fine, I'll go to this youth group with you. And, you know, they talked to me about Jesus several times. And I said, well, I'm not going until I get to, I get to ask your pastor questions. That was the deal. That was the deal. <laughs> and um, I go in knowing absolutely he's not going to be able to answer any of my questions, come up with the most ridiculous questions I can think of. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why a centipede? You know, just ridiculous questions that, who's gonna be able to answer that? Um, and then, but, I, but because of the agreement, I went to church that night and sat in the back listening to this music that was actually pretty good and, you know, started bebopping around with everybody, but in the back with my arms crossed, just absolutely not gonna engage at all. Yeah. Um, and the only, the only way I can describe it is I felt this, like there was this tether, this cord connected to my chest, and it was like this resistance of trying to, to stay back, and without me even realizing it, now I'm in the middle of the aisle. I'm like, how did I get here? Uh -huh. And it, it was literally like, <gasps> and then, you know, I'm four feet up, and it was just... I can't even remember getting to the steps. Okay. And at one point, I just found myself on my knees crying wow. and accepting Jesus. And, um, and for me, that was, a, that was a big thing. Right. Because I had come in absolutely out of doubt. I was not going to do that. You didn't see that coming at all. Now, so what happened after that night? Um, so I got in my car and threw my cigarettes out the window 
and decided that I was just absolutely going to be this perfect person no matter what. And that lasted about a week. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Went back to drinking and smoking and doing all those things. And for me, um, it, it was really hard because it took years for me to really get to that spot, I think, where I was supposed to be. Okay, so that was probably a number of times you kind of returned to the Lord and, mm -hmm. and let Him keep working in your life and... And uh, kind of the change happened over a few years period then, didn't it? Yeah. Of course, it's still happening in our lives, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, so your, yours happened when you were, you know, high school, middle school, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, JR, your, your story's not much like that one, is it? Just a, just a little different. <laughs> uh, I was born into a family of, uh, well, my dad's side of the family was uh, very Irish Catholic, so I was baptized as... You know, when I was born, um, didn't really go to church much when we were little, but by the time we got to elementary age, myself, my two younger brothers, um, my parents were a very young couple. They were very much into drugs and alcohol and, and partying, so they would ship us off to church on Sunday mornings for Sunday school and uh, basically just sending us off so that they had a day for, to recover from their Saturday nights out, you know, okay. binging whatever they did. Um, so for years, we just went to church knowing that we are being forced to because our parents are just trying to sleep off their hangovers or what, whatnot. Um, so we didn't really get into it much, just kind of was there because we were forced to be there. Um, and then when it got to probably um, middle school age time frame, my dad gave me a choice. And he said, I could keep going, keep going to church with everybody else, or I could stick behind and hang with him and watch football because football's on Sundays. And so, of course, given the choice, I stayed home and started watching football. But my dad also was very big into gambling and uh, betting on the, you know, betting with bookies and the sports writers and stuff. So I, you know, at, I don't know, 12, 13, started betting along with my dad, spending all my allowance, like just putting money down, spending as much as I could. Um, and I thought it was fun because at that time, it was the time that I got with my dad. Um, well few years down the line, my dad one night just decides just not to come home, and so he left uh, me, my two younger brothers, my mom, and it was just us for, for a few years, um, but at that time, my brothers and I were closer to high school age, and it was very much, okay, now it's our turn to start partying and hanging out and getting into fights and uh, just kind of slowly working our way into kind of like the gang style life of fighting and drugs and alcohol and just doing whatever we wanted to do. So we were probably as far as you can get from church and God and, and everything. Um, then uh, I had my oldest son uh, when I was 19, so it kind of helped, I guess, mature me a little bit, and then had more children, and it kind of started, uh, I slowed down with all the party and all that stuff, and, um, but I still didn't really go back to church, although like in the back of my head, I still kind of believed a bit, but not fully. Um, and then a few years after uh, my divorce, we, I met Eliza and we got married and moved to New York. And um, when we moved to New York, Eliza wanted to establish us as a Christian family too. So we wanted to go to church. And, and um, so, you know, being the husband, of course, I went and started going. But I still just didn't fully immerse myself in it because I felt, again, like I was being pushed and I was being forced to do something. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to go, but I'm only going because I have to. Right. Um, 
And so for years, I just would be there. Just physically, I was there, not, not mentally. Um, but then in 2008, I enlisted in the Air Force. Um, and down at basic training, um, you know, you're getting yelled at, screamed at, beat down every single day, except for Sundays. Sundays, we were given a choice to go to church and kind of get away from that, get away from the beat downs, I guess you could say. And so I decided with the rest of my unit, okay, I'm going to go. I'll give it a shot. And we go to the church, and as we walk in, I, I can remember it to this day, um, people are standing, like every airman in there is standing, arms around each other, and uh, I can only imagine, I, uh, the video was playing, and everybody was singing and dancing and just kind of just being together, and then following that, Letters of War from Mark Schultz played, and like, even to this day, it still gives me chills uh, and goosebumps thinking about it, because at that moment, it was just like, wow, this is amazing, and yeah. just seeing everybody else and all the other airmen that I was going through, you know, the ringer with, uh, seeing how they enjoyed it and loved it. Um, I got the little, you know, pocket Bible, New Testament, started reading that at night in my bunk, and um, eventually there was a, a few other uh, guys in my unit. They started doing, like, a, a Bible study late at night when we knew the uh, drill instructor wouldn't be coming into the room. We'd sneak off into a dark corner with flashlights and just kind of read and do that stuff, uh, just kind of immerse myself into that and... It, it all changed from that point. Yeah. Sneak off Bible study. That's, <laughs> that's a whole different kind of thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so it was during this time, basic training, uh, you, you kind of had this spiritual awakening and, and, and Jesus becomes real in your life and then you come home. Yep. And then what? <laughs> um, and then it was, who was this guy? What'd you do with my husband? Where's, <laughs> what, what happened? Um, I, I had a, wanted him to be the head of the household, but at this point, I'd already, I'd basically given up at that point. Um, and so when, when he came in, it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray at dinner time, and we're going to go to church, and we're going to do this. And it was like, no, that's my job. Wow. <laughs> no, what it, and so it was so hard for me to uh, trust that it was real yeah. um, and, and trust God that, that was the direction that we were, we were now moving, and that yeah. was okay. Yeah. You know, these times of faith, it's kind of like you're walking in, in an area where there's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next because God's leading the way. So mm -hmm. thank you both for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what your story is like. And I don't know where your story is going to take you, but I do know that God is already at work in your life. You may have trouble believing in Jesus, but he has no trouble believing in you. Even now, he is opening a door for you. You know, at first, Jesus' friends, they had trouble believing that, that he was alive, that he was resurrected, and even when he was standing right in front of them. As we saw in the scriptures, they were frightened and startled and troubled and doubting. But he kept opening that door, and their hesitations give way, gave way to joy. Maybe this morning you came out to, you came to church because of obligation, or habit, or desperation, or curiosity. Maybe you've kind of always kind of kept faith, God, church, Jesus, all at kind of at a little arm's length. 
because you, know, you didn't want to get too into this Jesus stuff. And you, you may have had some good reasons for it. I don't doubt that. But today, Jesus is opening a door for you. And you can walk through that door simply by receiving Holy Communion. Not, not that there's anything magical, magical about it, but just as a step of faith. As, as you receive the bread and the, and the cup, that, that it would be a way for you to, to, to pray this prayer. Jesus, I've messed up. Save me. I'm all yours. You know, that, that simple prayer, it's only nine words long, but I think it just says so much. And, and if that could be the prayer in your heart as you come to receive uh, communion today, I think it would, God would honor that prayer. Jesus, I've messed up. Save me. I'm all yours. Will you repeat it after me phrase by phrase? Jesus, I've messed up. Save me. I'm all yours. 